Well, it's glad to be with you guys tonight. We, uh, like Pastor was saying, we're happy and we're glad and we're honored to be called to the ministry to go and take the gospel in Thailand. We don't deserve it. It's not us. It's God. Um, if it wasn't for God, we wouldn't be able to go. If it wasn't for God, we wouldn't have the courage to go. So it's God the one that does everything. We're just a vessel. And obviously, he wants us to open our heart so that he can use us. But then he does everything after we open our hearts. Before, before going to the um, message of the word of God, I would like to take some time to bring a special with my wife. Amen. We prepared a special with my wife. And we would like to do that before we start. So I'm going to ask my wife to come on up. All right. When I fear my faith will fail, Christ will hold me fast. When the tempter would prevail, he will hold me fast. I could never keep my hold through life's fearful path. For my love is soft and cold, he must hold me fast. He will hold me fast. He will hold me fast. So he will hold me fast. Those he saves are his delight. Christ will hold me fast. Precious in his holy sight, he will hold me fast. He'll not let soul be lost his promises shall last but by him at such a cost he will hold me fast he will hold me fast he will hold me fast for my savior loves me so he will hold me fast That's why we are here tonight. I, will, I, 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 will, I just want to ask you to go to uh, your Bibles with me, please. If you can go with me to the book of Luke, chapter 16. Luke, chapter 16, verse 19. And we're just going to um, go to uh, a couple verses in that chapter. And I'm just going to read <clears throat> verse 19. 20, 21, and 22. 
If you would just follow me with your eyes as I read out loud, please. The Bible says in Luke chapter 16, verse 19, it says, There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen, and fared shamelessly every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores, and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, moreover the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. Tonight I want to speak to you guys about a subject that I have titled, The Truths About Hell. The Truths About Hell. I would like to pray and then we can start. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this opportunity tonight to be together, to listen to your word. I ask you to forgive me of all my sins because I have failed you many times. And I ask that you clean myself and help me be a vessel, an instrument in your hands that you can use me tonight to be a blessing to your church to share this message of your word. I ask the Holy Spirit to fill me and help me. Help me with this message. I thank you for all this, Lord. And I ask all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. I want to start by saying that when we study the life of our Lord Jesus, when we go through the Bible and we go through the Gospels, we find the Lord Jesus used different methods of teachings. And we find that the Lord Jesus, when he was teaching to the people, he would use parables. He would use symbols. And through those methods, he would uh, teach the truths of God to the people. But we get to the point where the Lord Jesus, right here on Luke chapter 16, verse 19, he didn't use a parable. Or he didn't use a a symbol, but now the Lord Jesus uses a true story of two men that were alive, one in this planet. And he says that um, there was two people, and he introduces this story because he wants to teach us something through this story. But we have to understand that this story is a true story of two people. A lot of people think that uh, the story of the rich man and Lazarus is a parable, but it's not a parable. It's a true story. Uh, Lazarus was alive one time in this earth. The rich man was alive one time in this earth, and it's believed that they were alive before the time of Christ, because when the Lord Jesus talks about them, he, he says that they died already. How do we know that this is not a parable, but it's a true story? Because in a parable, you're not going to find proper names or specific places. But in this story, we find names. We, have, we find proper names. <clears throat> we, have, we find uh, specific places. And that's the reason why we can understand that this is a true story. And like I said at the beginning, uh, the Lord Jesus now takes this story and he wants to teach us what happens after we die. And he starts this story on verse 19 and say, uh, There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and ferret sumptuously every day. The Lord Jesus starts this story saying, I just want to tell you that one time there was a rich man living in this earth. He doesn't tell us the name of this rich man because he's believed that uh, the name of this rich man wasn't, wasn't worthy to be written on the Bible. Because this rich man represents someone that never opened his heart for the Lord. He represents someone that he lived a life for himself. He lived a life to satisfy his flesh, to satisfy his sin, and to satisfy his desires. And that's the life that he lived. He never cared about the things of God. They would talk to him about God, and he would reject They would talk to him about God, and he would just laugh about it. And he didn't care about God. He didn't care about salvation. He didn't care about nothing that had to do with heaven and nothing that had to do with hell. And he lived a life without God. 
in his life. But the Lord Jesus does give us a description of this man. And he said it was a rich man. If we um, try to imagine the times that this rich man was alive, the, the times when, when he was alive and he probably had, you know, his family and his house, maybe in the neighborhood that he would live, his, life, his house was the biggest house on the area. Maybe the people that would see the rich man's house would be like, have you seen the rich man's house? The one that is all, all the way on the top of the hill. Have you seen it? Yes, I have seen it. It's like a palace. I, I, I love that house. I wish I had a house like that. I wish I had the money he has. And maybe he had chariots with horses, the most pretty ones. And people would probably say, I wish I had those horses. I wish I had those chariots. I wish I had what he had. The Bible says that he, he would dress with purple and fine linen. The best dress, uh, clothing, or however you say it, <laughs> however you call it, the, the best way of dressing during those times. In other words, expensive clothes. He would dress the best way. And, I mean, this guy was rich. The Bible also says that he would, he would eat simplicity every day. In other words, he would have banquet, a, a banquet every day. Maybe a, a, a large table, a, lo, a long table with all these vegetables, all these fruits, all these, you know, all these meats. And he, he probably also had that, the little pig that, that, you know, you put it on the oven and he has the, the apple like, like that, you know. He probably had all those type of foods there. And maybe because he was, you know, he was a person that would eat banquets every day. He probably waited a lot, you know. He, he was probably huge, a, a, a big guy, you know, because he would eat simplicity every day. <laughs> maybe, maybe he was a Baptist, right? <laughs> well, or no, because he wasn't saved. He couldn't be a Baptist. But maybe he had a lot of Baptist friends, right? <laughs> Anyways, this guy would eat, I mean, the best foods every day. It, we're not talking about every weekend. We're not talking about every month. We're talking about every day. He would eat the best foods every single day. When people would see him, they would say, I wish I had his, his money. I wish I had everything he has. And if you or I would have the opportunity to live during those times. And he would be like, I want you to come to my house. And you would have the chance to go to the rich man's house. And you would walk in the front door. You would, right when you walk in, you would probably see all this expensive furniture. All these expensive things inside the house. And then he would probably tell you, come to my room. I want to show you my room. And you will go to his room, and he will probably show you all this expensive jewelry, gold, silver, precious stones. Why? Because he was rich. He would probably tell you, I want to show you my backyard. You will probably back, uh, 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 walk to the backyard and right out the door on your left-hand side. You will probably see all these trees, all these Plants that gave them, gave them fruit, gave them vegetables. All these people working for him to produce. On your right-hand side, you probably would have seen all these animals, all these farms, horses, cows, goats. And all these people working with these animals. Why? Because he was rich. He, he, probably, he probably had other properties besides his house, other properties, other business. And he had all these things. Why? Because he was a rich man. He had a lot of money. He could buy anything he wanted. People on those times would be like, I wish I had his money. I wish I had everything he has. I wish I could be rich like him. Because if I, if I had everything he has, if I had all the money he has, 
I'll be happy. And you know what? It's sad that nowadays people think the same way. We think that happiness comes from money. We think that happiness comes from being rich or from having all this money. And that's how the world lives for. That's what the world lives for, I'm trying to say. The world lives for, for money. They, they, they think that that's going to bring them happiness, that that's going to uh, uh, solve all their problems. But you know what? You could ask the celebrities. They have all this money. But then we find out on the news that their life is destroyed. Celebrities that have millions of dollars, but their life are ruined. Singers, actors, they have all this money, but then they're on their fourth, fifth, or sixth marriage. All these uh, singers, actors, and all these celebrities, and people that have all this money, but then we find out that they're addicted to this drug that they cannot leave. Why? Because money doesn't fix your life. Money doesn't solve your problems. A lot of people think that having all those things are going to solve your problems, are going to make you happy, but the only one that can solve your problem is the Lord Jesus Christ. Having Jesus is what really gives you happiness. Having Jesus as your Savior is what really solves your problems. And it's what really solves the main problem we have, which is salvation of our soul. The necessity to be saved from condemnation of hell. When the people would see this rich man and they would desire to be like him and have him, have everything he had, he had, I'm trying to say. Under the eyes of the people, this man was rich. But the, under the eyes of the Lord, this man was a poor man. Under the eyes of the people, this person had a lot of things, a lot of possessions, and all this money. But under the eyes of God, this person had zero. Because he was lost. Because he didn't have salvation. Because he didn't have God in his life. You know? You know what really, you know what really being rich is really? Or what, what, really being, uh, uh, what really is to be rich? To be saved is to be rich. To have a Bible is to be rich. To have a good church where they teach you the Word of God, the sound doctrine of the Word of God, that's being rich. No, not having money, not having a big house, not having all these new cars, that's not being rich. Being rich is having God in your life, God guiding you, God telling you what to do, what not to do. Uh, Being rich is having a church where you can come and you can be fed of the Word of God and your son and your daughter, little ones, can can grow up learning from the Word of God. That's being rich. But a lot of people think being rich is having all these things. But that's not being rich. The story continues in verse 20. Uh, uh, what time? Into what time I have? <laughs> okay. All right. Any, anyone? Uh, it's okay if I, if I end up at 1, PM, 1 a.m.? Okay. All right. <laughs> They're gonna be, yeah, you, you, you could finish, but I'll go home and, and sleep. <laughs> Verse 20 says, And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores, and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. The Lord continues with the story, and he says, I also want to tell you about another man. His name was Lazarus. And he gives us his name because he wanted us to remember Lazarus. Why? Because Lazarus was a faithful servant of God until the end of his life. I want you to remember Lazarus because he was faithful. Even though he was sick, even though he he had to beg for money, 
but he was faithful servant of the Lord. He would, he would serve the Lord. You know, you know Lazarus was a soul winner? How do we know that? Because uh, uh, if you keep uh, reading the story uh, later on, the rich man says, please, someone send Lazarus to my father's house so that he can testify to my five brothers that I have there and my family so they won't have to come to this place of torment where I'm at. Why did he want Lazarus to go? Because he knew Lazarus would do it. Because I'm pretty sure Lazarus did it with him. But here we have Lazarus. Even though he was faithful to the Lord, he had these problems. He was sick. He was, he was a beggar. A lot of people say, why if the Lord was with Lazarus, why was he a beggar? Why was he sick? And the answer is, because God has a purpose of why he allows things to happen in our life. Sometimes we don't understand why this comes to my life. Why am I going through this? Why if, if I'm trying to be faithful, I'm, I'm a soul winner, I, I, I contribute with missions, I give my tidies, I, I, I do what, I, what the Lord asked me to do, but I'm, I'm going through these problems. Why? Well, because God has a plan. Because God has something he wants to do through the situation we're at. And he says, I'm going to put you through this situation because through this situation, I'm going to get you to this person that I want you to testify. And when you testify to this person, that person is going to be saved. And his soul is going to go for an eternity to heaven. But if I don't put you to this situation, that's not going to happen. So that's why God allows things like this to happen. And what do we have to do? Keep being faithful. What do we have to do? Keep serving the Lord. Keep doing what God wants you to do. But why is this happening? Lazarus, I'm pretty sure he asked himself, why is this happening? If I serve God, if I'm trying to be faithful, why is this happening? But even though he probably asked himself, why is this happening? He kept on moving forward. He kept on being faithful. And he let the things that he didn't understand in the hands of the Lord. I don't understand why this is happening. The only thing I do understand is that God wants me to be faithful. Is that God wants me to keep serving. Is that God wants me to keep doing what he wants me to do. And the rest is in his hands. Because I don't have control of situations. But he's still on the throne. So Lazarus was a faithful servant. But then in verse 22 it says, And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. It came to the point where the rich man and Lazarus died. And the Bible says that they both went to a different direction after they died. And through this verse, we understand through the Bible that there's only two places where we are going to go after we die. Either heaven or hell. Either to be in a good place or to be tormented. There's only two places. There's no three places. There's no four places. There's no such thing as purgatory. There's no such thing as reincarnation. No, sir. The Bible says that there's only two places. And to one of those two places, every single one that we're here, we're going to go. Either to heaven or either to hell. There's no other place. There's no other option. And a lot of people say, and how, how do we know that? One time I was so winning, and these, these guys told me, and how do you know there's a, a hell that exists? Have you ever died and come back from the death, and do you know that there's a hell that exists? And I say, I haven't, but I know who has, and that is Jesus Christ. He died and he came back from the death, and he tells us that there's a heaven and there's a hell. And I told him, you think Jesus is a liar? And he says, no, he's not a liar. Then you should believe him because he's the one that says that these places exist. Amen. After they die, the, uh, uh, the beggar Lazarus, he says that the Bible says that he was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. And then the rich man died. 
and he went to Hades. He went to hell. But then, this rich man found out certain truths about hell after he died. And in verse 23, it says, And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. After this rich man died, he probably opened his eyes. And when, op- and when he opened his eyes, he started seeing this fire surrounding him. And he probably start- started to ask himself, what's going on? Why am I full of fire? What's going on with me? Where am I at? And then he looked over here and he saw someone full of fire, just like him. And then he looked over there and there was another person, and over here another person, and over here another, and over here another person, and over here another person, and all these people in the same condition he was on. And uh, uh, someone over here started saying, Help me! And then he started looking around and he started saying, what's going on? What what am I doing here? Why am I burning? And then he found out the first truth. He started saying, where am I at? And then he remembered. He remembered that they had talked to him about this place before. He remembered that they had preached him about this place before. He remembered that they told him one time, two times, three times, four times, a lot of times about the condemnation of this place. But he rejected. And he said, oh, now I know where I'm at. And the first truth that these rich men found out about hell, number one, he found out that hell is a true place. A lot of people think that hell is a joke, but you know what? Hell is a true place. Hell is a place that exists for reals. In TV and movies, they put hell like it's like a, like a place, you know, that, that is like fiction. It's not, a fi- it's not fiction. It's true. Hell exists. People are right now in hell. Just like we are right now here, and you are sitting down on that bench, and that's a true, and that's something real, and that's something happening right now. There's people in this place called hell being tormented with fire, and that's a truth as well. He found out that this place was for real. And you know what? It's sad, but... Now the people that are in, in hell, they live, they, when they were alive on this planet, they lived a life without caring about God. They lived a life without believing in the things of God. And they were unbelievers when they were here. But after they died and they went to hell, they stopped being unbelievers and they became believers. So it's interesting to know that now in hell all the souls there are believers. But it's too late already. How sad is for people to, to live an unbeliever life and to say, I don't, I don't want to I don't wanna listen about Jesus. I don't want to listen about God. I don't want to go to church. I don't have time for that. that, that that's, gonna, that's too boring. That, that takes a lot of my time. And then they die. And then they say, oh, it was true. Why didn't I believe? But it's, it's too late already. How sad is for people to live like that and then end up in hell and end up saying it was true. If you're here tonight and you're not saved, why don't you fix that with God tonight? Why don't you fix your salvation with God tonight? 
Because there's people in church nowadays, the majority of the people in church nowadays, it's sad to say it, but I believe that we have a lot of people in church that they are not saved. They probably have been here for years. They know about Christ. They know about the gospel. They can even preach the gospel to you. But they haven't been saved. They probably grew up in church since they were little. They know a lot of verses by memory. They know how to live as a Christian because they learn how to do it. But they're not saved. Because salvation is not based on if you were born in a Christian home, if you were born uh, uh, with Christian parents. Salvation is not based on how many verses you know or if how long have you been assisting to church. Salvation is based on your repentance and if you have accepted the Lord Jesus as your Savior already. That's where salvation is based on. He found out that this place was a true place, but it was too late already. He couldn't laugh no more. He couldn't mock the preachers anymore. He couldn't deny it anymore because now he was living it. Now he was seeing it. And he couldn't say, it's not real and it's fake. If I would ask tonight, how many of you believe hell is true? Maybe all the hands will come up and say, I believe hell is true, right? But this is the thing, though. We say we believe hell is true, but we're not living like hell is true. Because if we believe that this place is true, we would be so winning more. If we believe that this place is true, we would be witnessing more to people. We would be doing more so, so souls won't, be, won't go to this place to be condemned in this place. We would work more for the Lord. We would be more active to do something for souls not to go to this place. If we believe that this place is true, then let's live like this place is true. If we believe that hell is a true place where souls are going every moment, every second, every minute a person dies without Jesus. If we believe it's true, then let's go so winning. Then let's keep supporting missions. Let's, let's keep on sending missionaries. Then let's keep on, on working for God so people can be saved. If we believe this place is true, then talk to your friends. Then tell your loved ones. Then stand firm in school and say you're a Christian. If we believe this place is true, don't be ashamed of the Lord. When you have the opportunity to witness, when you have the opportunity to talk to someone else about the Lord. Verse, verse 24, it says, And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. For I am tormented in this flame. The second truth that he found out about hell. He said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. The second truth that he found out about hell is that in hell there's no more mercy. In hell there's no more mercy from God. God is not going to have any more mercy for the people in hell, there's no more mercy. There's no more patience. There's no more love of God in hell. People, when they go, they go to be tormented. Not to have another opportunity. They don't have another opportunity. There's no more mercy. Father Abraham, please help me. I need some water. Aren't you a Christian? Aren't you a good, a good person? Don't you love God? You should love me. Please help me. And then Abraham, who probably told this, he probably told this rich man, you know what? It's too late already. God had a lot of mercy when you were alive. He had patience with you. He waited for you. He sent you preacher after preacher. Uh, your parents talked to you about God, remember? But you denied the truth. And now you're in this place where there's no more mercy. You want mercy right now, but God had a lot of mercy when you were alive. It's too late already. There's no more mercy. Another thing is that hell is not a place of party. 
One time I was witnessing to this, to this person, and this guy told me, well, I'd rather, be, I'd, rather go, I'd rather go to hell than heaven, he said. And he was laughing. And he said, because in heaven, I don't want to be in heaven like the angels, just with, with an arm like this, gling, 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 gling. I was like, that's not, that's not how heaven's going to be. You know, you're not just going to be flying with an harp, a little harp like this. Cling, 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 cling. That's not how heaven's going to be. The Bible says that things that I had never imagined in my heart are the things that are waiting for us in heaven. Amen. But then he said, I'd rather go to hell because in hell I'm going to be with my friends. I'm going to be drinking. I'm going to be smoking weed. I'm going to be doing drugs. And I'm going to invite the devil and tell him, hey, you want to drink with us, buddy? And he was making fun of it. He didn't even know what he was talking about. Because people think that in hell, they're going to be partying. People think that in hell, they're going to take their sin and they're going to continue sinning. But in hell, that's not going to happen. Even the devil and the demons are going to be condemned in this place. And they're also going to be tormented in this place when the time comes. The devil is not going to be the boss of hell like in the movies. He's sitting down on a big throne and he's telling the demons to go torment this soul and go torment the other soul. No, they're all going to be tormented in that place. The devil, the demons, and the people that rejected God and that rejected Jesus and that they never wanted to accept the Lord as their Savior. Why? Because God wanted to? No, because people don't want to open their heart. That's why. One time, uh, uh, someone told me, you guys, when you guys preach about hell, you guys, you guys preaching about a God that doesn't have love. And I told him, look, God's love is, has been shown in the cross of Calvary. That's where God's love has been showed. And you think we, we preach about a God that doesn't have love? God loves us. That's why he became flesh. And that's why he was crucified so we could be saved. That's the proof of God's love. And not only that, but God is patient with us. He, te- he, he sends us preacher after preacher after preacher so we can believe. Because I'm pretty sure many of you, just like me, we didn't believe the first time they talked to us about the Lord. They, 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 had to become, they had to come more times where someone come and they, and they talk to you one time and two times and three times and four times. Until you said, all right, all right. I'll go to church. And then when you went to church, the Lord just spoke to your heart and you were saved. But you know what? What I'm trying to say is that God has patience with us. I'm trying to say that God has mercy on us. But when people reject God's love in the cross of Calvary, and, he re- and the people reject God's patience and God's mercy, then God is also a just God that has to judge that soul for condemnation. Not because he wants to, but because people don't want to accept his love. Because people don't want to accept his mercy. Because people don't want to accept his salvation. God doesn't want people to go to this place. And another thing, just to make make it clear, God doesn't send no one to this place. People send themselves to this place when they reject Jesus to be their Savior. People is the one that condemn themselves and God does not condemn the person because he gives us opportunity to be saved. Verse 25, he says, But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy life Time receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. He says, but Abraham said, son, remember. Remember, you had a lot of opportunities, and you're rejected. Number three, he found out that hell is a place of remembrance. Right now, people are remembering in their mind. The times that they talk to them. The times that they beg them to be saved. But they didn't want it to be saved. Not only fire is tormenting the souls in hell. But also the thoughts 
that they're remembering are tormenting their souls. Because they remember all these opportunities God gave them. But, and they reject it. And that's why I'm saying, if you are here, it doesn't matter how long you've been here in church. It doesn't matter how long you've been knowing about Christ. I've known people from my home church that they were in church for five years, six years, seven years, eight years, and they were never saved. You know what's happening in hell right now? There's people that they're remembering that they were in a church like this one. They're remembering when they were sitting down in a pew like this one, in a bench like this one. They're remembering that they had all these opportunities. They're remembering when their pastor would preach from the pulpit and tell them to be saved. They remember when a missionary came and preached this missions conference and preached this anniversary. They're remembering all the preachings. They're remembering all the people from church. They're remembering all the brothers. They're remembering when they, they would tell them, hey, believe in God. Hey, give your life to Jesus. All of those things are here in the head of those in the mind of those that are in hell right now. Why? Because hell is a place of remembrance. Of remembrance. They're remembering that they denied the truth of God. Even though they were in a church for years, even though they, were, uh, uh, in, in, in they, knew, they knew about God for a long time, but they never accepted the Lord. They never repented. They never gave their heart to the Lord for real. And now they're in hell remembering. Remembering they rejected, remember, remembering when they laughed about all these things. You know, there's a lot of people in church because they like church activities, because they like it that they, they do these camps, camp thingies, they, they do this Bible school for kids. But it's really important for you to be saved if you're not saved. It's really important for you to fix that in your life if you haven't fixed that in your life. Because if not, if you are here tonight, you probably have more years in church than I have been saved. I don't know. You are the one that know in your heart if you have accepted the Lord Jesus for real. But if you're here tonight and you haven't accepted the Lord and you die without having accepted the Lord for real, in hell, I could guarantee you that you're going to remember this message from tonight. We don't want that to happen. That's why today is the day of salvation. You know, a lot of young people in hell right now, they're remembering when their parents would pray for them, when their parents would beg them, please, son, open your heart to accept the Lord. Please, son, uh, serve God. Don't give your, your wisdom, don't give your strengths, don't give your abilities to this world. Give your heart to the Lord. And right now, a lot of young guys, a lot of young girls, they're remembering that they rejected the Lord, that they rejected their parents' advice. Because why? Because hell is a place of remembrance. Verse 25, but Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy life and receive it thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. He says, remember that when you were alive, in another words, you received good things. In another words, you were you were rich. Remember when you were alive, you had all this money? Remember when you were alive, you, you were, you, you were uh, the center of the attention? Remember that when you were alive, a lot of people would praise you and wanted to be like you and wanted to have what you had? You, do you remember? But now, in this place, guess what, rich man? In this place, you don't have nothing. The fourth truth that these rich men found out about hell 
is that in hell, people learn to value what is really valuable. Now this rich man understands what is really valuable. Now he understands that money, fame, glory in this world is nothing if you don't have salvation of your soul. Now he understands that being saved is the most valuable thing in life. Now he understands that God and the things of God are the really valuable things in life. But it's too late. And a lot of people in hell, they have already learned that. But they had to go to this place to find that out. In hell, there's actors, there's singers, there's celebrities. There's all these people that had all this money. And now, there's, you know what they're saying? All the riches I had, all the money, all the properties, all the fame, is worth nothing. Because what really worth is to be saved. And I denied it, my salvation. And now, they learn to value what's really valuable. You know, all of this here is going to finish. All of, all of this here is going to pass. The only thing we're going to take after this life is what we have done for the Lord Jesus Christ. All the souls we talk, we talk to about Jesus, all the serving we did for the Lord, that's all we're going to take. The rest is going to stay here. What's really valuable is souls. That's the most important thing. You know what this book is based on? Or the main point of this book is? Salvation of souls. That's the reason why God became flesh. To save our souls. And that's why the main point of the Bible is salvation of souls. And that's what is really valuable. And that's what is really important. And the most important thing. They have learned that already, but it's too late for them. Because... They don't have no, no other opportunity. Verse 27, I'll finish up with this. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that he might testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. I pray thee therefore. The fifth truth about hell that this rich man found out is that hell is a place of prayer. Number one, hell is a, pl- a, a true place. Number two, hell is a place where there's no more mercy. Number three, hell is a place of remembrance. Number four, four hell is a place where people learn to value what's really valuable. And number five, hell It's a praise of prayer. People in hell right now, they're maybe even on their knees. In hell, burning with fire, surrounded with fire all around them. And they're begging. They're praying. Please, Christian, don't stop winning souls. Don't stop supporting missions. Please keep serving God. Don't waste your time, Christian. And in hell, people's praying for you and me to keep preaching, to keep winning souls, to keep serving God, to keep doing what we have to do. Please, Christian, do your part because now I have found out that the Bible you read and the gospel you preach is true. Please keep preaching. And they're praying in hell for us to keep preaching the word of the Lord. Please keep taking the word to the whole world because maybe one day you will get to my father's house and they will get to hear the message so they won't have to come to this place of torment. And people in hell, they're praying. Full of fire, burning, 
remembering, desiring to have the opportunity to come out of hell so they can talk to their loved ones. Not to, to have another opportunity for them, but to go and preach to their loved ones because they probably think, they, they say, if I go, if someone from the dead goes and talks to them, they're going to believe. But that's not possible. And God has us to do that job. Please, Christian, people in hell are praying. Please, Christians, keep serving, keep preaching, keep giving, keep doing your will. God's will, I'm sorry. Keep doing what you're supposed to do. If the Lord is calling you, go to the field. If the Lord wants you to serve in some area, serve in some area. Because now we have found out that what you preach is true. I want to end up by saying if you're not saved, accept the Lord tonight. But why, what, what are they going to think of me? I have years being saved. Well, making, think, making people think I'm saved. And if I say I need salvation, they're going to they're gonna laugh. I'm not going to laugh. We're going to be happy. We're going to rejoice with you. And it's better to go to, those, to, to a moment like this if it's needed for someone to be saved then not doing it and having to go to this place for an eternity to be tormented. Why don't you fix that tonight? The other thing I want to say is if you are already saved and you're 100% sure you're going to go to heaven when you die, I just want to ask you this question. What are you doing for the Lord? What are we doing for souls not to go to this place? You probably were serving before. Now you're not serving. The Lord is asking you to come back. You probably have never done anything because there's Christians in churches that they don't do nothing. Why don't you start doing something? Why don't you start getting involved? Why don't you start doing your part? We need you. The Lord wants you. He's ready to use you. But we have to open our hearts. Let us pray.